1: ny or text hope ny in new york
0: to see the hang-ups we have today Ooh. we need to
1: Into episode two hundred nine of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you?
2: I am fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you?
1: Oh, just hanging in there, having a good time. Very excited to have on special guest Reed Shepherd, future Kentucky Wildcat basketball commitment in the class of twenty twenty three. Reed, thanks for joining us, my man.
3: Yes, sir. No problem. Thank you, guys, for having me.
1: Well, let's get uh, get rolling. It's been almost a year since you committed to Kentucky uh, last November. You made it official joining the class of twenty twenty three. Just, uh, what's life like as a future Kentucky Wildcat right now?
3: Oh man, it's awesome. You know, I just get to sit back and enjoy my senior year of high school and uh, have fun with my teammates and just enjoy the whole the whole high school. Uh, my last year of high school and just having fun and just really not worrying about anything and just going out and having fun and looking forward to the future for sure of getting up with, getting up there at Kentucky. And, you know, it's awesome. I couldn't ask for anything else.
1: Was that part of the decision to just kind of get things over with? You knew exactly where you wanted to be and uh, didn't want to have any stress, weight on your shoulders going into your senior year?
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to be stressed out. Your last year of high school, right? So, uh, that was kind of my goal. Once I once I figured out that I wanted to go to Kentucky, um, you know, that was. I talked to my parents about it, and I was like, I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and do this thing, and not drag it on out. Um, don't worry about all the stress that comes with it, and just do it, so I can go out and have fun and enjoy my senior year with my friends.
1: Have you gotten used to the kind of celebrity status that comes with being a Kentucky Wildcat going everywhere and you know wanting your picture taken, wanting autographs and all that stuff?
3: Yeah, I've kind of gotten used to it a little bit. Uh there's still sometimes I'll just be out with my friends and somebody will come up and and you know of course they start they start making fun of me for it and saying all this stuff and and that's that's really fun just them saying that and always keeping me humble and uh but no, I've gotten used to it and it's pretty cool.
1: I guess this summer, in particular, you know, you don't have the recruiting side of things with with the coaches coming after you and being courtside. You, you know, that that stress factor that came with that was no longer there. Uh, how did that kind of play into your summer and and kind of how you played and, and your mentality going into those games?
3: Yeah, I mean that was a that was a big a big part of last summer was. Um, you know, trying to impress the coaches and try not to mess up in front of the coaches. And and this year, you know, going into it was was really cool because you you knew all the coaches. You've talked to them all. So every time you walked by them, they would nudge you on the shoulder and say what's up. And and like, like it is this year with high school, you know, I can just go out and have fun. And that's what I did with AAU this year. You know, I just went out and had fun. I didn't have anything to prove. I wasn't trying to show anybody anything. I just went out and just played how I could play and had fun with it.
2: Reed, what are you what are some things that you're trying to focus on before you
3: arrive at Kentucky? So some things you're
2: working on entering your senior season at North Laurel? Uh
3: the biggest thing is just my body. You know, eating trying to eat right and uh stay in the weight room and then just working on everything that I can basketball wise, whether it's shooting, dribbling, attacking, just the whole the whole thing and but mainly just my body right now and just trying to trying to gain weight and gain muscle mass and just get my body in the best shape that I can get in. So I can kind of be a step ahead when I get to college.
2: And when you do get to college, how do you see yourself fitting in at Kentucky? I'm sure that's some conversations you've had with coach O and coach Cal is, is it more of an on the ball roll off the ball roll a little bit of both?
3: Uh, Yeah, it's a little bit of both, you know, but I mean, they still, I mean, nobody knows for sure. So, so when I get up there, you know, we'll just have to see and, and you know I'm good doing anything they want me to do. I'm gonna to listen to them, and they tell me to go play center. You know I'll go play center. So whatever, whatever they think, whatever they think uh, is the best, and then I think, then I think that's what I'll do. So it's just whatever they think, I'll, I'm good with. And Could you play center? <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. Gonna oh ask. yeah, that's what <laughs> I was going to ask. I know
1: you have some experience playing playing center in Oil and when, when things get a little small at times, you uh, I, I, I crack up every once in a while when you see you see you down there at garden garden 5. But uh, I mean, you have experience with it, but I think it'd be a whole new beast in the SEC.
3: Oh uh, no, it would, it would be different. It'd be difficult. Uh, I'd probably just grab both their arms and make them make free throws or something. I, they wouldn't. I wouldn't let them score on me though.
1: But I guess on that note, defense is kind of something that you've just always taken pride in. You're always as active and engaged as you are. Uh, you know, maybe if you're you know, a cold shooting night, you always want to make sure you're jumping the passing lanes. You know, being active and disruptive in that regard. Just what is that mentality? Why? Why is that something that you enjoy doing so much?
3: Yeah, I think it's fun. Like that part of the game is fun. If you can, if you steal it from somebody, you know they get they get mad and. And you know that's a thing that I think the higher up you get, like in college, like a deflection and and a steal and a tip ball and all that is such a big a big thing because it takes a possession away from the other team and doesn't allow them to score. And that if you get a steal, then you're about guaranteed to get a fast break uh, bucket. And that's just a big change in the game and the momentum swing. And I think you can almost take over a game more on the defensive end than you can the offensive end.
1: So for fans tuning in, we are live right now. We want uh, as many questions as we want for Reed. We want this to be an interactive thing. So if you have questions, we already have some rolling in, but I want to make sure that we get as many in as, as possible. Uh, let's start rolling through some of those. 88 8 ekaj 8 8 E-K-A-J-88. I don't know the name, but that's their username. Who's the toughest player you've had to guard up to this point, Reed?
3: I'm sorry, did you say toughest player I've had to guard? Uh, yes. Oh, um, I would probably go with either Chris Livingston that's at Kentucky right now or uh, Keontae George that's at Baylor right now. Those two those two have probably been the, the hardest who I've had to guard.
1: How did the, the matchup with Chris Livingston come about? Where where, where was that
3: matchup played? So we were in uh, Texas, and he was playing with We All Can Go. And it was a big, there was a bunch of, bunch of people there, you know, they had music going during the game and, uh, you know, we came out and nobody and we won. So it was a good game for us. Uh, but no, that was a, that was a super fun game. And to be, that was my first time playing against him and, you know, going into it when they told me I was guarding him. I got out on the court and I looked at him and I was like, geez, I was like, this dude's (laughs) huge. But, uh, you know, it ended up it ended up going pretty good. Of course, he got to the rim on me a couple of times and just bullied me. But you know, that's part of it. But it was it was fun. And it was it was fun to compete against him.
1: Yeah. Derek Holbrook asks, "What team are you most looking forward to playing when you get to Kentucky?"
3: Oh, um, any any SEC road game, I think would be would be fun uh, at Tennessee, um, Gonzaga now. We play Gonzaga, oh, so so that'll be a fun game. Um, you know, any of the like the championship classic games, the those are always those those will be fun. But really, probably like art the Arkansas, the Tennessee, like the road game, the road games, Vanderbilt. I think all those will be super fun just because the fans get so into it. This is a good one, David Miles. Who is your number two school? Mm-hmm. Um. It would probably end up being Virginia. Um, you know, I like. I think Coach Bennett is a really good dude, and I think he's a great coach, and they got a good thing going on over, uh, over at Virginia. Michael Dale, AG, or
1: uh, AG or Aggie, whatever. Are you going to be number 15 at Kentucky?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not for sure. I'm not for sure. We We still got a little bit of time to figure that one out, so we'll figure that one out when we get up there.
1: Uh, let's see David Miles again how old were you before you could beat mom and dad
3: Oh I it, it, I had to I had to get pretty old um I would I would say around probably probably about freshman year uh and I was still a little little weak dude so they were uh and they never they never held back anything I mean I drove in or anything they're going to give me a elbow or something they weren't letting me get by them and so it was it was always fun growing up playing against them um uh, but I, I can take them both now so it's that's kind of a thing that I like to I like to talk about here at the house just just to brag to them a little bit but then they say come on we're, we're getting old it's it's not even it doesn't even matter so but no it's, it's always been fun playing against them
1: well, I'm sure this is one you've answered several times over the, over the years, but just, you know, what impact have they made on, on your life? And, uh, you know, just as a basketball player and, you know, maturing, you know, knowing what it's like to be a Kentucky basketball player and the future of all that, I uh, just, what, what impact has that been on you?
3: Yeah. I mean, they've been a, a huge impact. Um, you know, that's something that like one of the biggest things that I see out of them is just how humble they are. Like, like growing up as a kid you know Kentucky fans would always come up to them and take a picture with them and and you know they didn't walk around like like people like they were these famous Kentucky uh players they just always remained humble and you like you wouldn't have been able to tell that dad won two national championships and that mom was the leading scorer and all that stuff but that was probably that's probably the biggest thing that I got from them is just being humble and be yourself no matter what and and the, one another thing is just treat others how the way you want to be treated. Like everybody's everybody's the same. It doesn't matter their past or their future. It doesn't none of that matters. Just be you and stay humble.
1: Uh, on that note, RL Senior asked, Are you as good as your mom or dad in this time in your life? So I guess when when they were this age, uh, would you say that you're better, more more far along, or or, or a little bit behind for where you both of your parents were at this stage?
3: Uh, I'm going to say that I'm ahead of them. Uh, you know, I don't I don't I'm not 100% sure exactly where both of them were at this time, but um I know both of them didn't have the parents that I had that played uh in college and had the experience. So I feel like I'm kind of a little bit at the head of them and I had the I've had more opportunities than they had. So I feel like I feel like I got them beating that one.
1: Uh, e seventy ish says, "Did your dad ever tell stories of how they lined up the whole sidewalks trying to get in to watch him play high school ball?"
3: <laughs> no, I, he never. He never told me that. Uh, I'll have to ask him about it when I go downstairs. But uh, no, he 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 generally doesn't talk too much about himself. Uh, you know him or mom. They're not. They're not those type of people. Just to always talk about themselves, unless unless I get started, on talking about them, and then. And then, you know, they throw in something just to, just to ag on to it. But, but no, he hasn't, he has, I'll ask him about that one.
1: Well, let's talk about some of your future teammates. Titanium Titan says, do, do you have a good connection with Rob Billingham and Justin Edwards? And I get, and, uh, uh, yeah, I guess we'll start with those two.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we stay in touch, uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, we have a group chat going and, um, you know, I reached out to him about Big Blue Madness. And so I think I'm pretty sure both of them are going to, going to be there so that'll be cool being able to all be there at the same time um but yeah i mean i try to stay in touch with them and interact with them as much as i can and and they do the same you know they'll they'll always they'll randomly uh slide up on a story or or do something so it's it's pretty cool uh knowing them and knowing that we're going to be teammates in a year and just already getting a relationship started
1: how cool was that head-to-head matchup with with Rob in Vegas, and uh, you know, all all eyes on both of you guys, and kind of the first time that you guys shared the floor together, uh, being able to a do what you were able to do personally on the floor, and kind of make a statement on on ESPN national spotlight, but also uh, kind of doing doing so uh, heads up against your future teammate.
3: Yeah, no, it was really cool. You know, uh, you know, like you said, all eyes were kind of on us, and you know, before the game, you I was on my on my phone, and you see like. All these edits that people have made of me and Rob, and that's what it is. It's like the Kentucky, the Kentucky Clash, or whatever everybody was saying, and that was that was a pretty neat experience because you know that's something like growing up that you always want to do: play on ESPN against against one of your teammates, and that's just something that's really cool. And you know, I was I was thankful to be in that opportunity, and I thought it was really cool being able to play against them.
1: Now it's in terms of other potential uh teammates i gotta ask the question DeAndre Watson that says do you think we get Dj and Aaron Bradshaw
3: uh I hope so I hope so uh, you know i think I think we have a shot um but I'm not hundred percent sure uh, i still i stay in contact with both of them so i really i hope we do I think that'd be awesome that'd be a thing that'd be a heck of a team and we would all get along really good, but, uh, you know, whatever they decide is probably the best for them. So, but I, I sure hope we get both of them. <laughs>
1: We've asked you in, in the past, you know, how much of a recruiter are you? And you said that you, you know, you're all about it. You reach out to them often. Just what is what is a Reed Shepard recruiting pitch look like? And, uh, uh, you know, how hard do you push to, to see if you can land some of these guys?
3: Yeah, well, one thing, one thing I've said, well, first off, I just always started with just like, BBN. And then they'll text back and then I'm like, and then I'm just like asking them what they think about it and, and then I just tell them like like think about all the former players that Coach Cal has and now look at them. Like look at how he develops them and, and just like think about what he can do with, with your game right now and how much better he can get you and get you to the league or get you anywhere you want to go after college. And, and that's kind of my thing is just how good he's been with like former players that are now now in the in the league or overseas or anywhere making good money and and having good careers and that's kind of my biggest thing is just like what like how he can develop you Couple uh, questions
1: about who your favorite uh, UK player is. And, and I guess we'll do uh, a couple press and Floberg. And I think there was another one. Um, they asked, Who is your favorite Kentucky basketball player of all time? But then Tyler Garrett also asked, favorite UK player. And I guess we'll say currently. So favorite player currently on the team and then uh, of all time. Uh, right now.
3: Oh. 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 I'm not sure right now. Um, I like watching Jacob play, just because how athletic he is and and how well he, he can just move and jumps and glides. But um, uh, I don't know. I like CJ. Me and CJ get along well. I've known him for a little bit. Play against his high school team. Uh, I like them all. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that one. Who my favorite is?
1: And then but, all time
3: uh all time I really like Josh Harrelson he was always he was always good to me and uh you know he he came to the house a couple times and he was always like play fighting with me and shooting basketball with me and he was always super nice to me and he he reaches out uh sometimes and and will check up on me but you know he was one of my favorite players just because uh how nice he was to me and just all how it didn't matter like that he was at kentucky and i was a little kid like he would come to the house and and play and i thought that was really cool i
2: have a, i have a question for you so you someone asked you about wearing number 15 so i got to get your thoughts on the new jerseys what do you what do you think about those
3: i like them i think they're sweet uh you know i think they could have went two ways with them i think they could have went like crazy and went made some crazy jersey but and then, or they could have went simple and they went simple. So I, I like the simple Jersey. Uh, I told dad, I said, it kind of looks, the shorts kind of look like your old shorts that you used to wear. Um, but I think I like them. I think they're pretty cool. Yeah,
1: on that note reads, I heard uh, little birdie told me around the UK program that there, there's going to be some retro uh, alternates coming. Is that kind of a look that you would like, uh, you know, some, some retro retro throwback looks that you'd like to uh, rock when you get to UK?
3: <laughs> yeah i mean that that would be cool uh kind of anything retro now nowadays pretty cool uh they're starting to do that in the nba get some retro jerseys and all those are really cool so uh i think that would that would be cool especially if we got some that uh dad dad wore in his Or i don't know if they would go older than that but any t- any type of retro would be really cool
1: I guess kind of on that note, just, you know, uh, you know, historically speaking, Branch Epperson asks, who do you model your game after? Is there a player that uh, you kind of modeled, uh, you know, your
3: shot or just kind of just the, the way you play after? Uh, kind of Devin Booker, you know, I've, I look at, I watch him a little bit or a lot there in the, there in the season of like how he can get to his mid range and how like effortlessly he does that. Like that's his go-to shot. Like if he needs to make a bucket, He's getting to that elbow and shooting a little fadeaway, uh, 15 footer, and and I think that's a big shot for me that I shoot a lot is that little mid range, and you know I think I can look at him and watch how he creates space and can get to that mid range, but then also get to the rim. So I would say Devin Booker is who I watch the most and try to make uh, get my game after.
1: There, there are a couple of questions in here about NIL. David Miles said, how much did NIL weigh on your decision to be a cat? I know that was, you know, part of your decision, you know, building up to the, uh, you know, your commitment date and things like that. Just uh, obviously there has to be, you know, a, a, at least a small portion of it, knowing just kind of the potential that, that, that NIL brings being a, a wildcat and, you know, the history of, of your dad and all that
3: yeah that's that's a that's a weird topic um you know when i when i was in the recruiting process still it wasn't like a nobody really knew all about the nil or anything so uh you know i always had it in the back of my head but that wasn't never a like a big topic that i always thought about like i'm not going here because i won't get money or or any of that but um you know after i committed well After I realized that I wanted to go to Kentucky, you know, that's something kind of I thought about. I was like, you know, this is this can be a good a good thing for me with the NIL. You know, I'll have a good chance to make a make some money and do it for a good reasoning. Um, So, you know, it was it wasn't a big decision at all. But after I realized that, then I started thinking of how how much that would like how cool that would be that I can do that.
1: And I get, you already got to partner with pro camps and you, you hosted your first youth camp. Uh, so it may, even if it's not about the, the money side of things, but you're now able to kind of use your platform to, you know, do good and, and to, you know, kind of, you know, pass your, your talent, your experience on to, to the next generation. So uh, I guess how important is it if that NIL opens up those doors for you?
3: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an awesome thing that I can do. Uh, cause I remember growing up and like, I would go to, uh, josh harrelson or jared polson um would always have camps uh, and like i would always go to those and and that was always a cool moment for me as a kid like being coached by them and like them giving me advice and helping me on my game and you know that's something that i think that little kids look up to like i think little kids will look up to me if i'm like nice to them and and like teach them how to play, and like that's a that's a cool thing that not everybody says they get the chance to do, and and like I always thought that was cool as a kid. So now me being able to do it to do it with younger kids is is really special.
2: Reed, I've I've lived my entire life in the six oh six, so I know how big uh, your commitment to Kentucky is, and I know that you've got to see firsthand what B- BBN is about. How much do you think that being a part of this fan base before you ever were a commit helps you be prepared for what to expect when you do get to Kentucky and how passionate this fan base is?
3: I'm sorry. That, that was cutting out the whole time. I didn't I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. So I
2: was, I was telling you that I've I grew up in the 606 area my entire life. I've, I've lived there my entire life. And you know how passionate these fans are, these Kentucky fans. And you've got to see that firsthand your entire life. How much do you think that helps you getting to Kentucky knowing how passionate and seeing this fan base for basically your entire life?
3: Oh yeah, I mean they're the they're the best fans in the world. Um you know, they're at every game as loud as they can be. Um you know, it's crazy because they're they're always like that. They're crazy. Like like they're insane. Uh you know, no matter where you are, they're going to no matter if it's home or away, there's always going to be Kentucky fans there. Um and, you know, that's what you want. You want a fan base that follows you everywhere and that, like, if they see me out in public or anything, they're always yelling and, and coming up to me and talking to me. And, you know, that's awesome. That's what you want in a fan base is crazy people that, that love the team and love Kentucky. Um, and, you know, I think it's really cool that, like, I'm not even at Kentucky yet. I've never played at Kentucky. And the fans are already, like, like coming up to me and talking to me. And, you know, that's, a, that's an awesome thing awesome thing like i can't i don't know what it'll be like when i get to kentucky you know how much like i think it'll be even more crazy and and like going to big blue madness and seeing all the fans and like they're so excited and have a passion for it so that's really cool and on that note the passion
1: of the fan base it it bleeds into the uk uofl rivalry uh andrew luttrell asked uh, what will it be like to play in that louisville rivalry
3: oh i mean that'll be that'll be awesome uh, you know that's a game that I always watched as a kid, and like you know that's one of the games on the schedule that that I was like, we gotta win, like we can't we can't let Louisville win. And if when they did, you were kind of just like sick to your stomach, even though I was like a young boy, and it didn't even matter to me, but like I still got sick to my stomach every time that uh, they would they would beat us, and that was just a thing. Like like I never you never want to lose the Louisville, uh. So being able to play in that that'll be awesome, and I'll try my best not to not to lose against Louisville.
1: <laughs> I'm sure fans <laughs> will uh, certainly love that. Uh, Jack Nesbitt asks, uh, "What's your favorite all-time memory as a Kentucky fan growing up?"
3: Uh, one of my favorite things was probably probably just going to like going to all the games and. And just like being a part of it, you know, like like being a part of it, going and sitting in the st- in the crowd, and like seeing how how crazy the fans are, and how fun the games are, and and all that, and just being a fan, you know, that was probably that's probably been my favorite part about it. Uh, growing up was just like going to the games and and like watching all the all the players and and the fans and the coaches, and being able to. Sit there and have fun watching the game and cheer for him and and you know that was that was always fun and, and you know it was always cool being able to go in the back of the locker room some games with dad and and walk around the the gym and practice facility and all that. but I would say just the like going to the games and being a part of the fan base was really cool.
1: Uh, Kel Cat 66 uh, or earlier on asked, what was Cal's pitch to get you to come to Kentucky? So I guess
3: just walk us through what's it,
1: uh, what's a John Calipari recruitment look like?
3: Well, he watched me play and the game, well, it meant a lot to me because the game that I played, I played really bad. Well, <laughs> he says I didn't play bad, but I didn't, I didn't shoot the ball well at all. I didn't, I wasn't making shots, but, you know, he called me after that, and he was like, "I always want to watch a player play when they're not playing their game, like they're not hitting shots." He was like, "That's when you know if they're gonna play or if they're gonna fold." And he was like, "You didn't change your demeanor; you just played the game and helped your team win." And you know that was he was like, "That's that's what I'm looking. That's what I'm looking for." He was like, "I don't. I'm not here to recruit people that don't make shots and get mad and quit playing." and you know his thing was kind of like 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 i don't offer a lot of people he was like and i you're good enough to play here he was like i'm gonna develop you to get you where you need to go and you're gonna have fun and you're gonna win and like and like the coaches around him are gonna do their best and coach me and like get me to where i need to go and that's what i want i don't want to stop playing basketball after college you know you want to continue to play and and, you know that was a thing that meant a lot to me is knowing that he can like develop my game after college like he can get me to where i'll be able to play after college and you know that was a big thing for me
2: and we're seeing highlights now on the screen from that 13th region championship a year ago how hard are you working to make it back to rup arena again this year
3: yeah i mean that's right now i mean we just got out of practice uh before this call, and that was, and you know, that we're not even in practice. It's just open gym, and you can feel like the tension in the gym is a lot, a lot more right now from everybody. Everybody has experienced that loss in the Sweet 16, and you know that's something we're looking forward to of, of trying to get back to that and and not getting beat in the first round and trying to take that next step and make it to the state championship and as far as or as far as we can and hopefully even win the state championship. Um, but you know, just fighting every day and taking it day by day, practice by practice, trying to get better each practice, and, and you know, I think that I think if we do that, then we'll have a shot at it. And we got some pretty good games on the schedule this year to get us prepared. Um, so I'm excited for this year.
1: Uh, on that note, Josh Knight asks, "What's the, your favorite high school to play against?"
3: Um, I would say playing against South is pretty fun, the crosstown rival um just because no matter what the game is packed i mean like standing room only student sections yelling at each other uh you know everybody's yelling at you on the court you know it's it's your crosstown rival we're 10 miles away from each other uh nobody likes each other so it's always a heated game and they're always uh really fun and it's a game that you always look forward to um so playing playing south is always really fun
1: uh, Tyler Cordell asks, "When you play, does it seem like being compared to your dad makes you more driven, or or does it take it away? And I guess, uh, it, you know, a different way to ask that is just, uh, does the, you know, my dad's a legend, you know, the impact that he made, you know, winning the championships, all that. Uh, d- does that kind of, you know, h- how does that kind of play on you and, and you know, kind of carving your own career and doing your own thing, and you know, making making your own name for yourself instead of, you know, kind of living in his his shadow?" I guess.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's cool and all that, like, that dad won the two national championships and, like, that people can see me and be like, you know, that's Jeff's son and and all that. But, you know, my big thing was I want to make a name for myself. Like, I don't want to be – I don't want people to look at me and be like, hey, that's Jeff's son. Like, I want to look at him and say, hey, that's Reed. And, and, you know, growing up, like like, that was a big thing, like, to keep, like, working and get to the point where – like, you've made a name for yourself. You're not in anybody's footsteps or anything. And, and you know, that was a big thing that just made me keep going and, like, it kept pushing me. And, you know, I think that was – that's the main goal is just make a name for yourself. And, you know, as much as – like, it is super cool being compared to dad. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not dad. And, you know, I think making a name for myself is what I wanted to do.
1: And kind of on that note, Jonathan uh, McClure says, can we expect an NIL family tree shirt paying homage to his parents' uh, careers and rec- recognizing his time there? Is that uh, going to be kind of something that you do when, when you inch closer to your time at Kentucky getting uh, some uh, shepherd shirts?
3: <laughs> yeah, that, that would be pretty cool. That's the first time I've ever ever heard that. Um, you know, that would, that would be cool. Uh, but no, I have no idea. I haven't even thought about thought about much NIL stuff, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh,
1: Preston Floberg, I know we're we're getting close to time, so if you have any last second questions, make sure you get them in. We gotta uh, get Reed out of here, but uh, Preston Floberg asks, uh, does he think he could ever out-rebound Oscar (laughs) Sheboy?
3: Um... I'm going to say no. I think Oscar is a little bigger and a little stronger than me. And he can beat and bang with the big dudes a little better than I could. But I'll try my best to rebound as much as I can. But I don't know if I'm going to out-rebound Oscar.
2: You could tell the competitive side and read one to say yeah at first, though. <laughs>
1: But I guess uh, on that note, you got a chance to see Kentucky play down the Bahamas, your first look at this team. Uh, just how excited are you to, you know, kind of watch the team this year? And uh, do you think they have a, a chance to win at all?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm super excited to watch. You know, I've been up through a couple practices before they went to the Bahamas. And, you know, they're a fun group to watch and a fun group to be around. And, and you know, I think they do have a chance. Uh, you know, they got a lot of good players that can play. Uh they got some scorers this year. They got some ball handlers. They got some bigs. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they do. And I'm excited to watch them.
1: Oh, this is a good one. Scott McKillish says, Who has a better jump shot, you or dad?
3: Uh, the last couple of times that we've played, I've won. Uh, you know, we'll play a shooting game. We don't ever play one on one, like roll the ball out and guard. We do. We do full court shooting, so you'll dribble up and just shoot it. Uh, I beat him. I beat him a couple times, he he's beat me a couple times. But every time he's beat me, it's always been after a little little workout we've been through, so I'm a little tired. So I'm I'm gonna say I got the better jump shot. Uh, And then
1: I know Sean kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I want to make sure uh, these fans get kind of their question out. Nick Greenlee says, how does it feel to be the first person from our area to play for Kentucky? So, you know, the 606 and uh, the importance behind just just that area in particular.
3: Yeah, I think it's really cool um, being from London, which is like an hour from Lexington. um, And like you said, being one of the first – Players to go from the six oh six is really cool. Um, no, it doesn't happen a lot, and being able to do that, I think, means it means a lot to me to be able to like show these other little kids that like just because you're from here doesn't mean you can't can't get out and go play and and show everybody what you can do. And you know, I think it's really cool that I'm able to do that, and it means a lot to me, and I think it means a lot to a lot of other people that. That like I'm getting out of out of this area a little bit and going to play for Kentucky.
1: Uh, FT says, have you picked a major yet?
3: I have not. I have no idea what I'm doing in college yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, after college, do you have any idea what you would like to do? You know, the post post NBA uh, you know career. Hopefully, what what is is there any any kind of idea of what you would like to do down the road?
3: uh no i'm not sure i'm not sure what i want to do but no i have i have no idea
1: um samuel culbertson says what is your vertical
3: uh i have no idea i i haven't done a vertical actually i take that back we did one at an adidas all-american camp but i'm not sure i'm not sure what it was i don't know the answer to that one
1: and I think it's kind of an interesting question, just kind of NBA dreams and things like that. Branch Epperson says, will, will you stay all four years? I know it's kind of putting you on the spot, but uh, just curious from, from your perspective, how you approach that question from fans.
3: Yeah. I mean, right now the goal, like that's the goal is like four years, like stay four years. And like, I'm not, ex- I don't want to go. I'm not like, don't have in my head. I'm going one year and I'm leaving You know, I'm going to do like right now, I'm doing all four years, and, you know, we'll see when I get there what, what happens and how it plays out. But as of right now, like, I'm not – I don't have in my head I'm a one-and-done or anything. Like, I'm going to going to college for four years and going to do whatever I can to keep getting better and help the team win. So, right now, I'd say four years.
1: Uh cut, Just running through some of the, the questions and, and comments, Uh BCW says uh future first-round pick, so maybe – <laughs> uh, they they obviously uh, see a bright NBA future for you, um, Joey Tackett. Hey, Reed, can't wait to w- see you play. Love watching your dad, but I think you're going to top him. Uh, so. yeah, <laughs> a, a, bun- a bunch of uh, thank you for being a Kentucky Wildcat. Question, you know, comments and questions. Uh, just appreciating you. So uh, just fans making it very clear that you are uh, very much appreciated for being a future Wildcat.
3: <laughs> thank you guys. I'm I'm glad to be a Kentucky Wildcat. Cool. Cool. Let's,
1: uh, I know we're, uh, short on time, so let's get you out of here, Reed, man. Thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, we, we look forward to having you on again, uh, here soon.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, Reed. Thanks, Reed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
3: Oh, baby mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. 18 plus. Well, Sean, how about that? Has that a heck of an interview there with Reed Shepard. That, that kid is uh, uh, he's he, something special. Was
2: was that the biggest guest we've had on? Sources say has to be uh, up I mean, there, right?
1: Seth Seth Greenberg would tell you that he's the biggest, but uh, I think yeah. I, I think Reed's got to uh, be Jacob
2: Jacob Toppins up there. I mean, we've we've had some big ones, but yeah, Reed and you know. He, he's right. Like you, there's there's not a lot of kids from this area that get that opportunity. We we've seen it on the women's side now quite a few times, you know, Macy Morris, Blair Green, you know, Cassidy Rose there. But to to have a kid like Reed Shepard get to represent this part of the state, and that's what I was getting at with that question of he's lived in this fan base. he, he grew up with his dad as a national champion, his mom a, a decorated player at UK. He knows the pressure that that's on, and, and a lot of these kids, like let's talk Rob Dillingham, Justin Edwards, they don't really, they didn't really get the Kentucky effect until it got to being re- that time of being recruited. They understand Kentucky. Reed has lived Kentucky, and I think that that's a big advantage when you're stepping into that spotlight. Like me and you've watched him; he does not back down. Like he likes to talk and stuff when he's out there. We saw him this summer. We saw him last summer. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. He plays with an edge. And I think to succeed at Kentucky, you have to do that, especially if you're an in-state kid. I mean, he flat out said, if Cal needs me
1: to play center, I'm playing center. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I personally, I love the kid, but I never want to see him play center at Kentucky. Uh, you know, just uh, him talking about the idea of going a heads-up against Oscar Sheeway uh, had me laughing very, very hard. But uh, just his mindset of, you know, if if that's what I am needed, then you – you better believe I'm gonna make my make my presence known down there. I'll foul you. I'll I'll get I'll get my five fouls and, and make it worthwhile. But uh, I thought that part, yeah, I, I completely agree. That, that kid is uh, he he's a competitor. He's a winner, and I think that's kind of what's gonna uh, you know separate him uh, when when he gets to Kentucky.
2: Yeah, and we he already he knows the the Kentucky effect of the fans. We, we've seen him multiple places, lines, kids lined up after games, wanting autographs from him. Like he's he's gonna know what all what it's all about, about being a Kentucky Wildcat before he ever steps foot on campus. And uh, I think he's a kid that's going to succeed in large part due to his versatility with on the ball. He's a, a great passer. How many times have me and you watched him grab a rebound and throw it the length of the floor to someone for a layup? Like an excellent passer, high IQ. He will play minutes as a freshman at UK, regardless of who's in that backcourt.
1: Well, And we talked about it that, You know, his summer, we had Travis Branham on last week who said that they didn't see what they wanted to see out of Reed Shepard this summer on the circuit just in terms of ranking. But me personally, I saw exactly what I wanted to see because he proved that he can be an impact player when his shot's not falling. He yep. can be a guy that doesn't need to be that assertive, you know, dominant scoring presence. It, you know, he can fit into a system as well as any player I can remember seeing in, in, in recent memory, uh, just in terms of like we talked about, being disruptive defensively, making the right reads, uh, you know, making you know the high basketball IQ stuff that really doesn't get, get shown on the box score. That's what Reed Shepard does. And, and he doesn't do things that will, Get him taken off the floor, if that makes sense. Cal is a guy that he's he he is going to play, guys. If you're going to defend, if you're going to make the right reads, and you're going to be uh, you know a good teammate, and that's exactly what what Reed is, and I think that's what he showed this summer.
2: Well, the the biggest thing to me with him is I don't see Reed as the player that you can pigeonhole into doing just one thing. Like he's not just going to come to Kentucky as a jump shooter. He's not going to come to Kentucky just with a reputation of being a passer. Like he can do multiple things with his game, and I think that that's going to benefit him and help him get minutes early. And like I said, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He plays with an edge. We saw him play with really good competition against really good competition. And I thought that was the biggest takeaway from this this summer and the spring was the the level of talent that he played with. He, he's, he's well coached, one of the most fundamentally sound players that you will see on the circuit and going into college basketball next year. I think he plays minutes, and I think he has a role right away.
1: And he's a recruiter. How about that? I liked uh, his comments on uh, him saying that he uh, every chance he gets, he's in somebody's DMs. He's in somebody's text messages. He's he's making uh, text threads, and and you know, I, I like that he's kind of embracing that side of things too, knowing that hey, you know, you're a Kentucky basketball player. You're a Kentucky basketball commit, and and. Uh, like you deserve to be here and and you know make yourself and make your presence known as as that make sure you know get, get kids to come play with you because you're a player that other guys want to play with I talked to Rob Dillingham at Peach Jam and he singled out Reed Shepard as a guy that he wants to play with in college and uh, I mean I know it sounds crazy just kind of on, on the grand scheme of things a, a Donda Academy kid top five recruit in the country the most you know electric you know a guy that we talked like Talk talked with Travis Branham last week, uh, a guy that you may have an aneurysm watching play basketball, but one of the most entertaining players in in high school basketball in Reed and uh, uh, Rob Dillingham go out of his way to say, Reed Shepard is a guy that I want to play with at the next level. That means something. and The fact that Reed is embracing that and not just saying, you know, yeah, I'm a country. I'm a Kentucky boy. I'm from the 606, you know, this and that. He's, you know, he he's embracing that, you know, yeah, I belong here. I, I am a Kentucky Wilder for a reason.
2: He He's a respected kid. He's a respected player uh, among the high school circuit and all those national rankings and everything. Like, he is a respected player for his talent, the, the way he carries himself. And I love his energy. I love his attitude. And I think that he's going to succeed. Like, that's a kid that when he gets to Kentucky, he's not going to back down. And uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him being the in-state kid being a legacy recruit, like the success that his mom and dad had at UK. But it, it feels like that when Reed's time at Kentucky is up, whether it's one years, two years, four years, it doesn't matter. We're going to be talking about Reed Shepard and his impact at UK. And we're also going to be talking about Stacy's and Jeff's. They're all going to be separate, but it, it's just, uh, I think it's a really cool story. It's, it's, it's cool to see that it's come full circle here. Like uh, that was my first year ever following. Kentucky basketball was when Jeff won the championship there in 1998 and he was the tournament MVP there. Uh, so it's really cool to kind of come to kind of see this come full circle and see Reed get the opportunity to kind of follow in his footsteps and in Stacy's footsteps as well.
1: And a part of something that kind of stuck out with me that he talked about was Cal's conversation with him uh, when he offered when he started making that push and, uh, you know, saw him play when Reed admits he was like, man, I was not any good. But Cal, you know, went out of his way to say "No, I saw a lot in you the fact that you were going out of your way to do some certain things when your shot wasn't falling, you didn't just give up. You didn't say, yeah, screw this. I, you know, this is just not my day. It is what it is. You're doing a lot of other things and something that, that I wish i you know, forgot to ask as, as we were going through. But I, when I saw him play at the NBPA top 100 camp, we've talked about this, uh, you know, on the show, it, admittedly, he was one of the worst players at that camp the first, mm-hmm. the first day or two. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was just not, his shot was not falling. He, you know, was playing passive and, uh, and like, I think he knew that. I think it just was not the setting for him. And I, uh, you know, talking to people around the program, they were like, I mean, we, we had a conversation with Reed where they were like, look, you belong here. You are a player that is deserving of being at a top 100 camp. You are one of the top 100 players in all of high school basketball, regardless of class you belong here. And then that last day he goes out there and he explodes for 28 and eight. And I think he went for like 28, eight, seven, and like five steals or something ridiculous, efficient shooting. And that, you know, I was talking to, you know, uh, some, some coaches and, uh, you know, national analysts, Paul Cardi guys like that, that were watching and play said, this kid is going to make it at Kentucky. That, that type of player that can respond the way he did, where he will openly admit that was not my setting. That's not something that I'm super comfortable playing in where you, you know, those type of camp settings, Sean, you know, you know, covering this for a long time, you got to go get your own shot. You got to be assertive and you got to go do your own thing. That's just not kind of the player that he is unless he's, kind of forced into yeah. that role and the way he was able to adjust and still make an impact, but then finish so strong. I, I thought that was kind of the most telling thing that, yeah, he can fit in in, in a team setting, but he can go get 30 if you need him to. He,
2: he he can. And every time that I've seen him not play well, the thing that stands out to me about him is he always responds. He always comes back like a, you and I've watched him a couple of times where he hasn't looked his best. And then he instantly comes right back. And here we are back to talking about how successful he's going to be when he gets to Kentucky, and uh, Paul B Carter, you actually mentioned him. When I watched Reed in Spartanburg, I was standing with Paul, and Paul was talking to me. He Goes, have you seen Reed, Reed Shepard yet? Oh boy, that's exactly what I said. He loves his game. Yeah, and uh, I I don't think that I fully appreciated Reed as a player until I saw him step outside of the thirteenth region and go play on the circuit. That's when I really started appreciating the things that Reed does the the shooting, the high IQ. He's a uh, committed defender. We, I think that that's going to be an area where he's going to focus on. And I think that's how he gets on the floor as a freshman is to defend and guard his position and take care of the ball and have that versatility to play on or off the ball. I, I don't care who the guards are. There's going to be a spot for Reed to earn an opportunity and play some minutes. And the, the thing with Cal, this wasn't just a scholarship offer just because of who his dad was and who his mom was. This was, they went four deep for him that summer and he impressed. And yeah. then the offer followed. It didn't take long
1: yeah uh, I mean the kid's gonna play the kid the kid can play he's very good uh this isn't just uh like you said this isn't just a kid that got an offer just for the sake of, of getting one because he's a Kentucky kid he is somebody that uh, is is absolutely deserving and and uh I, I think he proved that this summer and I, I think he's gonna continue to prove that again uh the, his senior year uh I know we're not Reed Shepard and I know the questions uh, you know, we're just, you know, talking basketball. And, and so but we st- we will still answer questions if you have them about recruiting, about whatever. We got, you know, probably 10 more minutes or so. So yeah. we'll uh, hang on here if, if you'd like. Uh, FT says, how does Reed compare to Derek Willis, Dominique Hawkins and Dante Allen? Sounds like he will play a bigger role than they did. Uh, their first years for sure. Completely, completely agree. I think he he will absolutely play a bigger role than uh, than all three of those guys.
2: I think so too. And and the thing, like you know, I was using the term pigeonhole there, and I think that that Dante kind of got pigeonholed into just being a three point shooter, which I can if if then if then if that doesn't fall for you, then it's kind of setting you up to not have anything else to rely on. Uh, Derek needed that transition period there for a couple of years, and then he also became the stretch four and kind of had that identified role. I think that Reed can affect the game in some different ways. I think that he, like I've mentioned, his versatility. I, I like his size. Uh, he's a guy that I, I'm I'm interested in seeing what he looks like physically now when I see him the next time. As he said, he's been working on that frame, and that's a frame that he can add some size to it. So I just think that he has an ability instantly in college basketball to, to play a more significant role than those other in-state kids did. And uh, let, let's face it, I mean, Derek Willis was successful. Dominique Hawkins was successful. But this is a kid that, climb to that level of five-star, high-four-star status. Like, this is a different caliber kid walking into the program, and it's not because of who his mom and dad were. This is a kid that lives up to that ranking, is good enough to play, and could play at any program in in, in college.
1: Well, what, yeah, what I appreciate Reed coming on, and and we could talk about him all day. Clearly, we have several times, uh, Sean, <laughs> but uh, there's some other news going on in the world of, of Kentucky basketball, and we'll hit on – some of those things before we wrap up show, to take
2: shape we, now, isn't it? It's really it is, starting to play out.
1: It is absolutely doing. So we have a couple questions on wow. the biggest news, I think of the week, uh, Aaron Bradshaw setting his commitment date, uh, November 16th, Preston Floberg says update on Bradshaw after he set a commitment date. Uh, Andrew Latrell says, what's the latest on Bradshaw? If you had to lay, uh, the odds on, on Kentucky or G league, uh, It's very complicated, very complicated. I don't think a decision has been made. I don't think that he has, uh, you know, privately let anybody know that it's a done deal. I think that Kentucky is still very, very confident in where things stand. I think that it is trending in a a positive direction for Kentucky. But I will say other schools getting desperate kind of has me hesitant to, you know, put in a, a, you know, on three, future pick or whatever it's, you know, the recruiting prediction machine or whatever it is. I, I'm very hesitant to uh, you go all in on Kentucky's chances because there is a sense of desperation with guys like Texas, with guys like USC, who has thrown its hat into the ring here Uh, recently. He wants to take another visit. He will take a couple more visits before he makes his decision in November, Uh, definitely to UCLA and Texas. Those are two that he's already scheduled, Uh, but I think USC is going to get one as well. Uh, There's some stuff going on internally with USC's program that has kind of led them to um, you know, get a little bit more desperate than they would have before that they want him bad, they need him. And I think when, you know, you get that desperation and the, the, the you know, need side of things, it kind of plays a double part. It makes, you know, them recruit a little bit harder and do more things and make more promises and things like that. And then it also on the flip side for a recruit like Aaron Bradshaw, who has, you know, you don't want to say he's been living in DJ Wagner's shadow for the last yeah. four years or three, four years or whatever, but at the same time, this is a guy that Uh, You know, has wanted to make a name for himself, has wanted to prove, like, hey, I'm a top, you know, top 10 recruit in the country. I'm the, you know, the number one center in high school basketball. Treat me like I am. Like, don't just treat me like I'm a package deal with DJ Wagner. Like, make it, make it clear to me that you want me for me. And I, I think that could play a part down the stretch when these visits come to play. So I'm definitely not willing to say that anybody's kind of a, a locked in favorite or things like that. Kentucky's in a very good spot; they are very confident. But the desperation with other schools, Sean, has me a little bit hesitant. I, I think those two schools in particular, Texas uh, and USC, and, and I guess UCLA as well. Uh, I think though, You know, just just kind of keeping that in mind. And then I also don't think that we. we I don't think the possibility of him making a college commitment and then backing out at the last second and going to the G League or you know, taking a pro route, I don't think that's out of the realm of, of well, possibility either. So it's it's just complicated.
2: Well, and and what I was going to say with this, I have no idea what's going how it's going to play out, but that decision being made when it's being made, it, it's a good thing if it works out for you, and it's a good thing if it doesn't work out for you because then you can kind of go you know, – you know where you need to go next. You can say, okay, this was an early – Decision here in the fall signing period. Now we've got all fall or all winter and into the spring to kind of see, do, do we need to shift and go a different direction? Uh, we know that that Kingsley's on campus and we've kind of built him into that roster and that class for next season. But then if there, if there's not another high school option that you're kind of fall in love with, then you can look and say, is there someone from the portal or do we get someone back that maybe we're not expecting to come back for an additional year? So uh, having that having any any of these decisions that don't extend into the spring, I think is a bigger uh, advantage for you as a program when because then you can kind of identify what you need. Uh, you don't have to go another two or three months recruiting someone and then lose them last minute and then be caught scrambling. So I think that that's a good thing that that decision has been made when it is. And even if it is Kentucky, you mentioned the G league. like it could be a thing that Kentucky gets him and then you're having to fend off the G league all the way into the spring.
1: Yeah, and again, I think Kentucky has all the leverage in the world here because he is, I, you know, to, to put it lightly, he's not a need for Kentucky. And like, I don't think that he would even acknowledge himself personally as a need for Kentucky because you have Ugana Kingsley on Yenzo who is, is penciled in. We had Travis Branham on last week who I think put it very well, said so he's a project big, potential three-year type of player. He's going to be an immediate impact guy for what he is. It kind of reminds me of Nick Richards where – you he was going to produce immediately in some regards but he's going to struggle in other regards uh, that it's going to keep him off the floor he's he has those physical traits that are going to put him on the floor and then some others that may take him off and I just think it's going to be a process with him so I don't think that there's any rush to bring him along and there's certainly no rush on his side to be an NBA player go to the draft so you can pencil him in as a guarantee back for for next season it, and if it works out that he plays into being a draft pick this season, then good. That means Kentucky's freaking incredible, and you have the, your tenth man making an impact to be a draft pick. That means that Kentucky's very likely winning in the national championship. Yeah. That would be a good scenario for Kentucky. But you have him, Oscar Sheboy, very well could come back, and then you have Lance Ware still right there. You have a good core group of, of centers that you want. Aaron Bradshaw, you, you you know, it'd be a very nice thing to add, but it's not one of the things that it's do or die if you don't get him.
2: I agree with you, and I honestly I think Kentucky is in a good spot across the board when it comes to what the roster looks like next year. I think that they have some some security there with a couple of guys that have extra years if they want to use them. We've mentioned Xavier Wheeler, we've mentioned Antonio Antonio Reeves can play two, CJ Frederick play multiple. We, what happens with Jacob Toppin, Oscar Well, You can go through the entire roster and kind of and see a scenario where some guys are playing again at Kentucky. So if like let's just say that they don't get a DJ Wagner, or they don't get uh, Bradshaw. They, they, they've got some options there, and then we know the portal is always going to be a player as well. They've already got really talented players coming in. I, I think Kentucky's in a good spot and has all the leverage in the world, and in a lot of situations, honestly, just based off of the options that they have. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh press Floberg asked again, uh, any other uh, uh, update on DJ and Ron? Uh, DJ, I think it's much of the same. I, I still think Kentucky's extremely confident where things stand. I've said on the show several times Uh, You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see that as a recruitment that Kentucky loses. This isn't one that Cal uh, loses. I've said before that uh, Kentucky has the mindset of we love, uh, we love Kenny Payne. We love, uh, you know, we hope that he gets all of these recruits. We hope that he, you know, they they win a a bunch of games, except for the one against Kentucky, and they hope they get a bunch of recruits not named DJ Wagner. I think that's kind of the mindset that Kentucky has, and they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they do not. Uh, lose lose DJ. Uh, that's just one that that I you know maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see Cal losing that one.
2: I don't um, either. I, I I don't see it. I, I just uh, I think that Kentucky has a lot of momentum there. I think that they've they've always been to be the favorite, and then that recruitment. And I just think that uh, I would be I would be I would be shocked. I'd be surprised. Like that, that is.
1: And when you look at Cal's contract and the way it was written with this, you know, and ambassador of the program, you know, if he wants to retire uh, it, like it's not some secret that the contract was written the way it was for after next season because of DJ Wagner. Like that's that, like, I don't think that's a secret. I don't think that's some surprise that UK is trying to keep, like the contract was written in that way, specifically to make that type of statement that, if if Cal wants an out, if Cal wants to take a step back and say, you know what, and I don't think he will. I, I, before I was thinking that he would use this year as his, um, uh, you know, as as his, you know, I I want to run this back with Oscar Shebway and all that, uh, and you know, and try to compete for a national championship. I, I think that was the case. But I think uh, before my thought was that he was going to get DJ Wagner, and that was kind of be going to be his last hurrah, like close things out with. Uh, you know, with the, the his first one and done and then close it out with his last one. And done. I, I kind of just kind of had that mindset going into it. But after some conversations, I talked to him uh, at fantasy camp uh, just this summer uh, where he did not sound like a guy that was ready to hang it up at any time soon. He was he well, was made it very clear that, uh, you know, talking four or five, five plus years down the road. Uh, so there's I, some
2: renewed energy there, it seems like. And, yeah. and they're getting back to. A philosophy with recruiting and they're they're doing some different things with recruiting offering guys sooner but uh, that stretch of getting rob dillingham and then a month later getting justin edwards that felt like old kentucky basketball that felt like uh, the early three to four years of john calipari getting uh, elite commitments back to back like that and then uh, you're hopeful that by the time the fall signing period arrives here in that early signing period that they 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 do it with a DJ Wagner and a Bradshaw back to back too. Like a, you, we know Kentucky and John Calipari like to flex their muscles and they like to do it on a on a national stage. You beat Michigan State in the Champions Classic and then you follow it up the next day and get a big commitment like that. That's Kentucky basketball. That's what they do. Last year it was Casey Wallace when we were going to New York to watch or Ken, cover Kentucky playing Duke. So there's there's always one right around that Champions Classic window and then maybe this is the one. Maybe they get two. That would be uh,
1: tremendous, Press Fluberg. Again, uh, asked about Ron, Ron Holland. Um, I, I don't think Kentucky is a landing spot, and, and you know, Travis Branham was on our show last week and said that there's a uh, you know he thought that uh, Kentucky was going to be you know fourth place for, in that recruitment right now behind uh, Texas, UCLA, Arkansas. Uh, it didn't bring up the G League, but but definitely thought Kentucky was behind those three schools, and I've heard similar uh, things that I think this is a kid that uh again kind of like what we talked about with aaron bradshaw that there are other schools that are very desperate to land ron holland and, and have kind of made him the the number one priority in their recruiting classes texas in particular uh has done a tremendous job job arkansas has done the same thing Has basically said you are our guy we are going to do whatever it takes to land you and and i think that ron's a type of kid that that is definitely feeling that type of recruitment and and you know he likes that You know all all that positive attention, and and just kind of the you know hearing all the good things. uh, You know things could change the way that uh, we you know saw with Justin Edwards because he was a kid that liked that same uh, kind of pitch at the heat of his recruitment, and then I think he kind of realized you know maybe uh, being at a place like Kentucky is better suited for me. Uh, i think that definitely changed last minute for for justin before things trended you know momentum shifted entirely in kentucky's favor uh, but i don't think that's going to be the case with ron if you you know follow his parents on twitter his mom especially she's basically all but saying that a decision is coming up shortly. We're right. Re- you know, we're sitting down we're ready to make a decision. His dad said the same thing. Shoot. Ron this week, put out a tweet with just like an hourglass emoji, Sean, mm-hmm. indicating that a decision was coming for, for him as well. So, uh, I don't like where Kentucky is at this point, and And, and I, I think it's kind of one of those things that they would like him, but, and they really liked what they saw for him, but I don't think it's necessarily a, a do or die type deal for him either. Uh, Cause I like, I think they like some of the other pieces um, that they have coming in and, and who could be returning next year and things like that. So, I, I'm not feeling Kentucky's chances for Ron Holland, uh, especially DJ. I still think that uh, Kentucky's in a very solid position for there. And, and Aaron Bradshaw, I like Kentucky's stance, but it will only it will 100% de- depend on how uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, official visits go to UCLA, Texas, and if USC uh, gets his, gets involved the way I think. I think it could complicate things. Let's wrap up with this. Sean um, uh, Andrew Luttrell says, "Will Cal get his practice facility?" I think that's kind of a, a good good thing to end it on. Cause me personally, I think he's going to do whatever it takes to get that practice facility, even if it means he has to pay for it himself or get yeah. that fund
2: himself. Yeah, he's he's gonna start digging ground on that thing pretty soon. He's gonna pick where it's going. So <laughs> now he I do think at some point he will get it. I think so. And uh I don't know, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I do think that like you said, someone will pay for that thing, whether it's former players chip in and pay or, or something. But I, I do think that and, – and that's the stuff that you're talking about there that doesn't sound like a guy that's wanting to hang it up anytime soon. He's mm-hmm. he's wanting – and that facility is not going to be built just like right away. Like that is yeah. something that's going to take some time, uh, the plan to, to, to be put in motion and everything for. This seems like a guy that's going to be around for for a little bit longer. To, I, I think he's going to be here long enough to see that facility get built and see it built the way he wants it to be built.
1: I guess on that note, what what would that that facility being built mean for this program? Like, you know, talking talking to to Cal and other people behind the scenes and uh, just, you know, knowing kind of where his mind is and why he wants this facility so bad. He said it's because Kentucky needs that one guy every year. My conversation with him, he said, you know, if we get that one guy every single year, you know, the, the Zion Williamson, the. Anthony Davis, the, you know, those type of guys, those are the national title winning players. And he, he, he sees that as the, I can get the other guys and I can, you know, you, I get in a good position to land those top five ish recruits, but that practice facility is going to be the difference between me, you know, getting maybe a couple of them and me consistently getting those to close out my career. And
2: right now, I mean, obviously that, that facility, it's not horrible, but it's not the best in college basketball. And when you're talking about being the gold standard, you want to be the gold standard in all categories across the board when it comes to facilities, jerseys, fans, all of it. And if Cal sees that as a weak spot right now, and he wants to change that, I mean, he does have Justin Edwards in this class. I mean, he's got Robert Dillingham. If he gets DJ Wagner, then he's likely going to have either an an Edwards or, or Wagner the number one player in the class, possibly number one, number two. So without that practice facility, he's still getting the best of the best. But you keep mentioning that one kid, and it's more than just one season. The way the the way the collegiate game is now, when it comes to to football, to basketball, it doesn't matter. It's whatever you whatever you build and do in 2022 is probably going to be old and have to be revamped and everything and changed by 2027. Your approach, you're going to have to modify. You're going to, have to to change some things about it. If this is what he thinks needs to be done, then I, I think that Cal is a guy that he knows. He's done this thing for for decades now. He knows what is uh, what needs to be done, what needs to be changed, what needs to be pushed, what needs to be prioritized. Getting a new facility, I, th- I think it's a big step in the right direction to, to Kentucky being the cool factor. And let's face it, it's a program that it lost its edge for a while. I mean, you're, you're no longer the all-time winningest program in college basketball. You can no longer say that right now at Rupp Arena and before games and on graphics. You need to get back to getting that edge. I think they're closing in on that again. You're seeing them recruited at that level that they used to. Getting that facility, I think, only solidifies that even more because it, you want to be the best of the best in everything that you do as a program.
1: Absolutely. Let's uh, get out of here. Somebody asked, uh, Corey 15 asked, what about Ian Jackson? I like Kentucky's chances with uh, with Ian if he stays in that class of 2024. 20, I think he's arguably Kentucky's number one target in that class. Um, as we talked with Travis Branham last week, it gets complicated if he reclasses to 23. It depends on what happens with uh, DJ Wagner. Me personally, I, I'm a type of guy that I would want all three of those guys playing together, uh, Ian Jackson, DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham. Uh, but I don't see that unfolding mm-hmm. especially with Justin Edwards.
2: Well,
1: uh, especially with Justin Edwards there. Had yeah. had Justin gone to Tennessee, I definitely think Ian yeah. would have been a serious option, but uh, well, I think that
2: definitely things up Cuz you could run a three guard lineup with mm-hmm. with those guys, but in a perfect world, you you get DJ Wagner in 23, and Ian decides to stay in 24, and then that's your guy in 24. In a, in a perfect world, like if it, if it plays out to where you can get a talent like that in 23, and in 24, but if something were to to go the different in a different direction with DJ Wagner, you plug Ian Jackson into this in this roster, and you're you're still talking probably a preseason number one team in college basketball. But DJ Wagner is the the main piece. But to me, the the perfect world would be that Ian stays in twenty four and, and comes to Kentucky. Is that if not, uh, he, he's going to he's going to go elsewhere and uh, going to be a very very talented player.
1: Uh, Kenzo Cole asked Jack, "Who's the best non blue blood? I, I guess school or I mean I
2: that's a good
3: question.
1: I, that's a great question. Would you want to classify Gonzaga? I think that's, well, uh, I, that's a safe play. Safe
2: way to, to put me." That in and that's the thing, like, has the blue blood definition changed? Like, do we still consider UCLA a blue blood?
1: I mean. Historically, yes, but currently, no.
2: Currently, no. Like, currently, your blue bloods would be Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, Kansas. Uh, Kansas. Is, there, is there anyone that's creeping into that territory? If Villanova Gonzaga, was. Villanova would be a recent a because recent. of winning multiple championships and, and things like that. I would say, I'm going to say Villanova. Yeah, look, I just think that I think so too. If Gonzaga, I mean, the success that he's had, man, if they'd won one of those national championships, Mm -hmm. but they're right there on the on the on the doorstep, though. Like that, that's a program that I'd love to see Gonzaga in a Power Five.
1: Uh, With the way that the conferences are moving and and all that, it it would certainly would not shock me. Um, Well, Sean, I think that wraps I mean, up episode. all of our i mean what a show i mean yeah. we're talking recruiting we're talking reed shepherd he was tremendous well, really appreciate him coming we,
2: on we were going to go former player this week and then i hit you with uh, well, why don't we get reed shepherd on and it was i mean uh we, i knew the fan engagement would be probably the best it's been like i'm willing to bet when we see numbers and stuff here on and everything like uh, a lot of people tuned in a lot of people excited about reed shepherd uh, i think it was a great episode
1: yeah, and I, I really appreciate that our fans have been as engaged as they have, really. asking the questions, and like this whole YouTube setup has definitely kind of been a game changer for us. The numbers are still exactly where they were before with the audio only. And then they're like doubling just because of the YouTube numbers as well. So uh, that part's been awesome. Really appreciate well, all the feedback that we're getting in this regard. The questions, the, the engagement, the the likes and, and all that stuff. Uh, that That is 100% been a game changer for us. And
2: now that we're getting into this period where, I mean, basketball media day, sec media day stuff coming up. There's going to be more episodes weekly than just the one that we're doing right now As the content, you know, ramps up and we get we get into, uh, October probably be doing two or three episodes a week as the content arrives. But this feels like the episode to where this is a for the fans episode. Mm -hmm. Like this is where you get in here and you engage and you all kind of dictate and carry the direction of the show. You ask the questions because uh, we don't have you on the other episodes.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Plenty to, uh, uh, discuss moving forward. And uh, and yeah, like you said, uh, are you, are you planning on going down to SEC media day? Is that a, a trip in, in your future?
2: I've been planning it. I was thinking yesterday that I'd like to make that trip. Are you going?
1: I, I- Think Zach and I are planning on going. So uh, we could have some uh, live sources say uh, in person, you know, not not having to do uh, the side by side thing. We'll be together in this beautiful format. Yes. So
2: I haven't uh, seen you in a while. So uh, it'd be nice.
1: Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. But yeah, Sean, let's get out of here. Uh, appreciate Reed coming on. the blast. Appreciate all the fans. We had, I mean, uh, almost a hundred comments and questions roll in throughout this show. So, uh, and from a bunch of different people, It wasn't the same people asking the same question uh, over and over again. Just really uh, appreciate that side of things as well. So, um, well, let's get out of here. Uh, wh- let's. Uh, wh- where can fans find your work, Sean?
2: You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, dot com, and you can follow me on Twitter at gbbcountry.
1: Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Uh, reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at Kentucky com. With that, we'll be back uh, next week, same time, same place, Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Uh for another Jam Pack sports to say podcast. We will see you. Then. <laughs> com in Kansas, one 770 stop in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here, visit gamblinghelpline ma.org, or call 800 327 5050 fifty4 four seven support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-